Now, I think the big debate here should have been around Dublin Kerry. The dubs were obviously absolutely frightening at the weekend, but I just think the manner in which Kerry won, the aggression they brought to the table, kept them in the first place. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Influential midfielder Denise O'Sullivan sustained a shin injury in a tackle. She to be taken to hospital. The Cork woman's got bruising. Thankfully, nothing is broken. We'll learn over the next day or so if she's fit to play Australia in the opener in Sydney on Thursday. Let's hear now from manager Vera Pau, who addressed the bizarre events which saw Ireland play a warm-up game against themselves after the Colombian kerfuffle. After a few minutes, it, it just started up in a way that that um, it had almost no turnaround. Uh, there was first a huge challenge on uh, Russia, um, with a lot of, of emotions around that, of course, because um, that was already a challenge out of the loss of the game. Um, and we we do not fear any physical contact. You know that we we are ourselves a team that within the rules of the game we're very very a, a tough a tough playing team. Um, and um, I want to highlight that we had the least uh, fouls in, in our yeah. qualifying campaign doing that. Um, so um, we always challenge within the rules of the game. This was out of the rules of the game, let's say it like that. It took minutes before the game started again. Um, I was actually asking what's, what's happening, what, what's actually going on on that pitch, why do we not play? Um, and then within two minutes, there was this challenge on Denise. So it was a build-up of this is not going into the right, this is going wrong, this is going really wrong. And that challenge, she was in awful pain, of course, uh, potentially a very serious injury. She was on the ground. So um, I stayed calm. I went calmly to the bench of the opponent. It was just in front of them. Um, and I asked the coach, I need your help. We all want to go to the World Cup. How do we calm this down? Um, and he only said one sentence, something like it's both sides or something. Well, we did not make any fouls. So. Um, and, uh, but that was calm also. And he went back and did not take responsibility. And then the team manager came from them and I said, we want to go, all want to go to the World Cup. Can you help me to calm things down? Um, and, and she said, it's not intentional, um, but also sat down. So I got no help from them, although they were calm. Eh? The, the bench of Colombia was very calm. They did not instigate anything. So I, I, I want to highlight that. Um, and then it was developing on, on the pitch, of course, the players were, yeah, were upset. Um, <clears throat> so I decided also the first time in my life to go to the medical team and to Denise, and they confirmed it was potentially a very serious injury. Um, and the players, the first time since I'm coaching them, they, had, they, they, feared, they feared their bodies. Um, so I took them away, um, calmed everybody down, took them to the bench, said, you stay here, we deal with this. I, of course I support, I support you. But I'm going to discuss this with, um, of course, with the management, because calling off a game like you don't do that like that. 
Um, fortunately, my Canem had just arrived, the technical director, football director, um, and uh, we discussed it. Um, so he took uh, charge of it. Um, I discussed it with the FEA, the CEO, and his decision um, was in line with what I felt and what the players uh, felt. Um, and um, there's been contact also with Dublin uh, before we uh, went to the referees. Uh, th then everything was calm, eh? so there was no shouting, everything was calm. Sorry? Ah, uh, yes. Um, then we went to the referees and we discussed the situation with the referees and um, the referees then decided to call off the game. This group, everything makes us stronger, isn't it? Every challenge makes us stronger in this group. And um, after we finished uh, the game, brought them in and um, I told them I was so proud of them, the way that they immediately get into a full international game against each other with all the challenge and all the, uh, all the level of what we needed. Um, then Katie, the captain, um, uh, said the same thing. And we said to each other, this will not disturb us from, from being ready for Australia. Um, and we said to each other, this moment that we, um, that's what I said, that the way that we were on the pitch immediately after what happened, uh, which is disturbing for everybody, but the way everybody's handled it, that means that we we will not have any negative influence in our preparation for for uh, the game against Australia, other than that we hope that Denise will be, of course, will be ready. And at that moment, we thought we had lost her. Republic of Ireland women's team manager Vera Powell there. Let's link to Australia now and our reporter Kathleen McNamee, who's in Brisbane. Kathleen, how are you? I'm doing well, John. How are you? Good, thanks. This is somewhat bizarre, Kathleen. Yeah, it was a very strange evening. Um, I mean, it all started to go a bit weird when initially the media had got an agreement from the Colombian FA that we would be able to attend the match and watch. Like, as we said at the time to them, it wasn't even that anyone really wanted to report on the match. It was more so just to get a little bit of colour, like a little bit of a feel of how the, te the Irish team was looking. None of us really had any interest on reporting on the Colombian team because the likelihood of meeting them at any stage during the World Cup is slim to none. And then uh, a group of journalists arrived out to Meekin Park where the, the team have been based and doing their training sessions last night and were refused entry because the Colombian side had decided that they didn't actually want anyone there. There was quite a few Colombian fans out there which was quite surprising too because the training park is a good way outside of Brisbane. It's about 20-30 minutes in a car um, and yeah then as the night went on a lot of us were just back in the city watching the Australia-France game trying to get a bit of a feel for how Australia were looking ahead of next week's game when you started to come through that the game had been abandoned and that Denise was on her way to hospital so obviously that put everyone here on red alert straight away and messages were flying back and forth we went over to the team hotel and waited for the players to return at that stage the team bus came back and you could tell that like a lot of the players looked quite dejected and um, none of them wanted to talk which is kind of understandable considering how the evening went and then it was just a bit of a waiting game 
waiting to hear from the hospital how Denise's scan went, which we actually only found out around 10 a.m. this morning, Brisbane time. Brisbane's about nine hours ahead of Ireland. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a long night. I'm running on about three hours sleep at this stage, I think. <laughs> Welcome to a World Cup, uh, Kathleen. Why would Colombia be overly physical before a tournament they're playing in themselves? And was there a need for this game at all? Well, this is a big question about why Colombia were overly physical. Vera Powell talking about it today said, you know, she went into this game very much of the idea that it was making sure that players were match fit, match ready, that they had that competitive edge going into the World Cup, but also with the understanding that all the players wanted to play in the World Cup. And, you know, you weren't going out to put in any heavy challenges or take any players out of it. She said that initially the game started off okay, and then it kind of got worse as it went on um, and it seemed to be the way the game was set up was that the first half was our starting 11 against their bench essentially so there wasn't even the starting 11 that Columbia would normally play that were doing this um, Shreer was very strong to point out several times that she thought the management were handled the situation very well which makes it even stranger the way that the players uh, went about things there was one player in particular Caracas who um, was signing things for fans outside of the park just after the game and was asked about why it was uh, curtailed and she told fans that um, the Irish players were just girls and not in a complimentary way and that there was uh, they were scared of a few fouls and then she said let them eat insert bad word here and um, so clearly there was a lot of ill feeling towards the squad which no one can really understand or work out Vera did say as well that they had studied about seven of Columbia's games and they'd never seen them play this way and that in all her years of coaching she had never felt so afraid for her players and her players safety um, so yeah it was a strange one so I think anyone who's watched this team would know that they're not afraid of hard tackles it's not something that's in our nature we're a very defensive team anyway so we're kind of used to you know getting stuck in Katie McCabe I mean there's Twitter accounts that are literally dedicated to how many yellow cards she gets during the season because she likes a hard tackle so I don't really know what Columbia were looking to achieve in terms of whether the game was necessary or not I think a lot of people would have said a friendly this week was a good idea um, just because we have so many players on the squad, like particularly the new American Irish players who've come in who haven't had a lot of time to bed in with the group and play with the group. And we saw in the game against France the startings of a really interesting partnership between Marisha Shiva and Kira Carusa. And I think it was important to develop that a little bit more. So I don't think anyone doubted the need for it. It's just strange the way Colombia decided to go about it. Denise O'Sullivan is arguably after Katie McCabe, Kathleen, our most important player. Maybe explain to the listeners why that is. Yeah, I mean, she is uh, a worldwide star at this stage. I think whenever the news last night broke, it wasn't just Irish people that were getting upset and worried about it. it. There was a lot of people in the US as well who said that they just wanted to see Denise at a major tournament because of how integral and how important she has been. And um, the thing about Denise is, much like Katie, she's an absolute workhorse. She plays in midfield, but also like expect her to see it every single place around the pitch she has that technical ability that's just that 
step above the rest of the Irish team, apart from maybe Katie McCabe. Um, her vision is insane. Her movement, her passing. She has. She's such a collective package, and she's also one of the players that you can depend on. Absolutely. I mean, I think I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've seen her make a mistake in a game or either make a mistake and not be the first person to clean it up afterwards. Um, so losing her is literally a worst case scenario at this stage for Ireland. If you were to ask anyone who has followed this team, what is the one thing you don't want to happen? It would be Katie McCabe or Denise O'Sullivan can't play in this tournament. So at the moment, it's kind of just fingers crossed. Uh, obviously, that scan did come back that there was no fracture. But because of the swelling around the area, it's only really going to be 48 hours until we know for certain that there definitely isn't a fracture. So that'll be Monday um, before we actually know. So hopefully by the time everyone in Ireland is waking up on Monday, we will have some news from Australia about where things stand. Does that point to maybe a lack of an ideal preparation or is it unfair to critique the preparation just because the players got injured from an overly physical Columbia that we didn't expect to be that way? Uh, in terms of the Irish team yes. having a lack of preparation? As, uh, as, I don't think so. The question is, I, I, do you, like you've been following the team, do you feel that they've done everything right? Uh, from what I've seen, I think so. I don't think it's from a lack of preparation. If you look at the way Vera has structured, not even just the last month since we've had the preliminary squad, but even the last couple of months in the run up to this tournament, you know, she has been very, very particular about her opposition, which is what makes last night even stranger that Columbia came out the way they did in a behind closed doors friendly. You know, Vera has specifically said after every international break since we have qualified why she chose specific teams and what she hoped the Irish team would learn from them. And I think if you look in particular at, say, the US games, we saw a completely different Ireland there. And we saw us playing in an attacking way that we have not really done in, I don't know, any game ever like maybe if we're playing smaller nations like Georgia we do it a little bit more but that's just because we have the space to do it but this is going up against like giants of the world and actually being like no we're not going to just throw five at the back and just trust Louise Quinn to head away every ball we're actually going to attack and set ourselves up to attack so I think that side of things has definitely been growing over the last couple of uh, months if you listen to Vera and the way she talks about how she has adapted this team over the last couple of weeks and um, like a lot of the players were coming in at very different stages you know you had players in the championship who had been finished up for nearly eight weeks by the time they came into camp you had players like Katie McCabe who was only finishing up like a week before and then you had the NWSL players coming in from the US who were still in season and only came in for the last week of the camp so Vera had to be very very careful about how she made sure these players were all well adjusted and she was doing that true periodization and um, which is actually something that she is writing a book on that's going to be released after the world cup and i think from watching the open training session at the start of the week i was surprised at how intense the play was i thought like even just with a bit of jet lag or the fact that the tournament was so close they might have been holding back but there wasn't any of that you know there was very much a sense especially from maybe some of the fringe players that they were still playing for that place in the squad and they were keeping that intensity high so I think last night is definitely more a case of 
it being a very strange situation with the Colombians rather than the Irish being ill-prepared, especially when you consider the fact it was like 20 minutes in and there had already been two yellow cards by the time that Denise got injured. You know, that's not normal. And I don't think a referee and the FAI would have thrown all their support behind actually ending a game at such an early stage. Like that was completely unheard of unless they thought there was actually a real danger to some of the players. So who's going to be the player that replaces Denise O'Sullivan if the worst case scenario comes to pass? Uh, I imagine it will be Jamie Finn that's brought in. Uh, She was the player that a lot of people were confused initially that she wasn't in the squad. And the one that Vera said was the hardest to not have there. Um, There was also a lot of talk after the France game where people were saying that, you know, she was the sort of player that we were possibly missing. Izzy Atkinson came on for Katie McCabe after she went off with that slight knock. And you could see her inexperience. Izzy Atkinson has done a brilliant job since she's been brought into the squad, but there was that little bit of inexperience showing and maybe just a bit of fear going up against a team as good as France, you know, one of the top five teams in the world. so yeah, I reckon it'll probably be Jamie Finn that'll be pulled in if Denise isn't ready. But it's hard to know as well because we were asking Vera today, you know, if it's a case where Denise isn't going to be fit for the first two matches but might be fit for the third, would you still keep her in the squad or, you know, might miss the Australia game but would be okay for the other two? And it felt like she was leaning towards saying she would probably keep her in the squad just on the off chance that she would be able to play because she is such an integral cog to that team. I mean, she she is irreplaceable. You're never going to bring anyone in in the current Irish setup who can take over her role and be the sort of player that she is. So Jamie Finn into the picture, but who would be in the team? Would Jamie Finn be in the team to replace Denise directly if Denise was or was somebody else? Uh, I don't think she'll replace Denise directly. I think it will require a bit of a switch up as to how the team plays. But as Vera did point out as well, like Denise wasn't in the squad for the la- the first few weeks of the preliminary um, squad whenever it was first announced because she was still playing in the NWSL. And that was when we did have that win against Zambia. Now again, I... I did think Vera was a little bit off in pointing to that game because the squad that played was very much not the squad that would ever play a starting game for Ireland. And also, like, there was, what, five changes at the halftime to give another five people the opportunity to play. Um, so I think it would be a case of having a little bit of a shuffle around. I think you could see someone like maybe Kira Grant coming into the midfield or else Lily Ag as well. Um, so... Lily Ag is kind of that one player who most people would say the Irish setup is set and that the starting 11 is set if everyone is fit. But the one area that maybe is a little bit iffy is Rusha Littlejohn or Lily Ag. So there's a possibility that Lily Ag will then come into that midfield setup and the two of them would play together rather than constantly competing for that same role. So the squad flies out to Sydney in a couple of days. How many Irish fans can we expect in that 80,000 plus stadium on Thursday? How well will we be supported? 
I think you can expect quite a lot. Um, we were at an event with the Irish ambassador the other night and we were asking him, you know, what he had heard. Initial reports from when we were back home had been that there were about two or 3,000 Irish fans coming over to Australia for it. Uh, he said he thinks it's closer to five or 6,000 and then that's not even counting the amount of Irish who are already in Australia. I've had messages from people across the country who uh, are flying into Sydney just because to see the game and it's hard to calculate it because they would have got their tickets through the Australian FA rather than the FAI so I think you would I would be surprised if like it wasn't at least a third to half Irish which would be a pretty amazing spectacle the Matildas played their final send-off game against France yesterday and the atmosphere was absolutely electric and that was only a 50,000 seater stadium it was a record attendance crowd for them so you can only imagine what the noise is going to be like when there's 82 and a half thousand people to launch the World Cup their star is Sam Kerr who plays for Chelsea yeah, Sam Kerr is their star. Although, interestingly, as after Sam Kerr came off last night, after about an hour, and it was none other than Mary Fowler, who has Irish ancestry. I don't know if you remember whenever Australia came to Tala and she played, and uh, there was lots of photos with her and her Irish grandparents, who still live here, um, after the match um, embracing, which was very nice. So she was actually the only person that scored on the night. And is a real talent, not getting a lot of time at Manchester City, which is confusing a lot of people because you know if definitely an excellent player there to mold but yeah Sam Kerr is the star she is their main striker uh, but I've said this quite a lot I think Ireland would be wrong to just concentrate on Sam Kerr because I think that is in a way what Australia want they have so many talented players that are playing at the highest level you know you look at players like Caitlin Feard who's playing with um, Arsenal she is also a proven goal scoring record and then even at every level of the pitch they have very very good players so uh, it's going to be a difficult task I think for Ireland especially when you consider the fact that we were beaten by France 3-0 fairly comfortably in the end and then Australia managed to get that 1-0 win against them last night and seemed able to harness the nerves and the excitement that was in the stadium rather than being overwhelmed by it which was a question I had going into that you know they're launching a World Cup on home soil in front of 80,000 people will they be able to handle the pressure and I think last night said that they probably will be yeah and it's important that we don't get overawed ourselves so is it the case that do no harm is the first thing for Vera Pau on Thursday Kathleen 352 caution we're a cautious team keep it tight and maybe hope with 20 minutes to go that we can get something I think so. I think like the first half of that France game was really, really positive in terms of how we played, but I don't know if we can make that last for a full 90 minutes yet. I think we're a bit too early in the development stages of that system, which is unfortunate because it would be great to go into this game. I think that one of the big issues for Ireland is where those goals going to come from. We are not great at scoring from open play. We're still very reliant on a Megan Connolly corner free kick or a McCabe free kick or a Louise Quinn header, you know, very basic stuff. Um, interestingly, I was watching at the open training session the other day, the teams were playing a little 
five aside and the players who weren't training at the time were just kind of you know running up and down the sidelines doing a few stretches keeping warm apart from Amber Barrett who was doing shooting drills with Grace Maloney whenever she wasn't on the pitch so she curled in some very nice goals which if she managed to do it in the stadium in Sydney during the week I think she'd be even more of a hero in Irish people's eyes than she already is we go then to Perth for the second game against Canada, the Olympic champions. In men's football, the Olympics doesn't matter, to be honest. But is there more of a correlation between the Olympics and the World Cup? I suppose does it suggests that Canada are a nation that are strong. Yeah, no, in the women's game, the Olympics is a massive tournament and like the rules are slightly different in that, you know, anyone can play. But they don't have that like age restriction for the women's side and the Olympics has always been, because it's uh, one of the most watched tournaments, it's been, always been a big opportunity for our like women's players to, I suppose, showcase themselves on the world stage when they weren't getting the same sort of opportunities to do that. And um, Canada kind of came out of nowhere to win that Olympics, to be honest. I mean... I remember reporting on it for ESPN and I think I had actually tipped Australia at the time to do quite well in the tournament and then they didn't. But uh, I did maintain that they were going to come good at some stage and I think they probably are coming good now. So I was just a few years ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, no, Canada really did come out of nowhere in that tournament. I don't think anyone expected them to win it at the time, but they did put in some massive performances. They've had a difficult enough run into this World Cup in terms of the fact that they've been fighting with their federation in terms of trying to get equal respect compared to the men's team they had threatened to boycott certain games and even you look at like the Nigeria team they've threatened to boycott their first game yeah. which is against Canada as well so there's been a lot of uncertainty around the team, but there still are a lot of talented players in there. I mean, you look at someone like Christine Sinclair, the fact that she's still going at this stage, you know, top international goal scorer in the world, an insane amount of caps, probably the last time we'll get to see her in a major international tournament. And then you've lots of really talented younger players, Ashley Lawrence, who's just uh, signed for Chelsea from PSG, Jordan Hutima, who was playing with... PSG for a couple of years just moved over to OL Reign recently in the NWSL they they have the players and Bev Priestland is a very very well respected coach it's just whether they can put aside all the off field stuff and concentrate about what's happening on the pitch yeah, Nigeria have had their row, haven't they, as well, over bonuses. And they play ourselves in the final game in Brisbane. Hopefully by that stage we'll have points on the board, Kathleen. So what's the realistic goal then for the Republic of Ireland in these World Cup finals? Not to make up the numbers, obviously, but what can we be happy with? Um, I genuinely do think a result in one of the games is a realistic expectation. I have been uh, told off for this to say to be a little bit more optimistic, but I do think that, you know, this Australia team are very, very good. I think we would be doing well to get a result against them. I think Canada definitely have a bit more star quality than us, but again, I wouldn't be massively surprised if we managed to pinch a result, but I also wouldn't be surprised either if we didn't. And then Nigeria are such an unknown quantity. Like you watch their games and they're so easily dragged out of position and they're so easily, you know, shook around the pitch. But then they also do have those moments of absolute brilliance where they're able to get a goal. So it's whether we can keep our concentration for long enough and be able to take those shots that we're so bad at doing a lot of the time and to make sure that we actually get the result and make use of the fact that we will be able to hopefully pull them out of shape and leave them scrambling while we're attacking. There'll be a bandwagon effect obviously here at home, Kathleen. We'll all be plugged into this from Thursday 
Tuesday and we'll be all excited about it for about a month uh, we all know Katie McCabe as billboard she's Arsenal we know Denise O'Sullivan Amber Barrett you can't help but um, love her in the interviews but who else could make their mark who's playing well on the Irish team who are we going to know more about in a month um, I think there's I, I like I don't know how much we're going to see outside of our starting 11 in the fact that Vera very rarely changes things around and very rarely does she bring on a whole host of substitutes I think Kira Caruso is probably going to be an interesting one for Irish people in that she's been in the squad for a long time and she's you know been in and out of it but she's now taking up that starting role as like the lone striker the role that Heather Payne formerly used to take and if you look at her scoring record when she was with HB God she actually has a really decent record I think it's like over 30 goals and over 50 games which is like not too bad a return definitely has more of a radar on her than uh, Heather Payne did who is much more suited to that wing winger position um, so I think she's going to be a name that a few people might stand up and watch it'd be great to see some of our younger talent like Abby Larkin and Izzy Atkinson getting a run out as well because whether they can make their impact in this tournament in particular I think for the future of this team especially when you look at the age profile I love it which is quite mature it's going to be really important to make sure that they have that exposure to these big moments and uh, see if they can make their mark on it because I think uh, you look at Izzy Atkinson she wasn't even in the preliminary squad when it was first announced and played so well that she managed to get herself a seat on the plane so you know there there could be some surprises in this squad and I, I hope they're all good surprises that come for us and to conclude Kathleen who's going to win the Women's World Cup and why? Uh, oh, I've been asked this question so many times over the last couple of days and I've been so concentrated on Ireland I feel like I haven't watched enough of everyone else I think if I had to whittle it down you can never see past the US in these situations they're the bookies favourites at the moment they're not as strong as they have been in previous years but I also think they like the idea of people looking at them as underdogs and coming into a situation I also wouldn't discount Germany I think they have a really really talented squad and they kind of snuck up on everyone in the Euros last year so definitely one to keep an eye on as well